0: The herd ran in fear, and the dark ones, children of the worm, walked the streets in the day. I turned my head from the sight. The phoenix told me, This is as it shall be, but not as it should. The phoenix left me then. Now I cannot dream. I can only remember the signs, each one in perfect detail. These are the last days. May Gaia have mercy on us. 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back.
1: I, uh, Of course, I'm, uh, I'm Bob here at 25 Years, and uh, I'm accompanied today by Nick. Nick, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Hey Nick, today as you already know, and to get everybody caught up to speed, we're gonna be doing Tribe Book Bonars, first edition. Now
2: Bonars? Bonars? Is
1: bone? Is it Bone Nars or is Bonars?
2: Is it Bonaro? Bonar's
1: Bonars. Bonars. I don't really uh
2: Bougie Nars. There's a lot of ways.
1: There's a lot of ways that you could <laughs> say it, but we know it's uh it's the, the less spoken of tribe uh according to them. And uh that's uh that's interesting. <laughs> I found that bonars are the most frequently played that i've come across actually really absolutely huh familiarity right breed um they're they're city folk as it said they're closest to uh well they live amongst humans that's not a far stretch how do you play a world that lives amongst humans pretty easily you know yeah and folks believe they have a way gravitated to it also i'm gonna state this you'd noticed how in this book it relates quite a bit from an interesting perspective of the downtrodden
2: uh to say they are professional victims, I don't think would be an understatement at all.
1: I'm glad that we're there, professional victims. There's a level of annoyance uh that uh that for me came out of that where it was uh it was it was interesting. It was interesting to hear nonetheless. But before we get to that thickness, as I like to call it, you know, thick, thick book, um <laughs> that it's not, right? Let me just point that out. Um, there is something to consider. That's the in- intro comic. Well, that's something to consider. It's- now, it's the times, right? It's, it's considered the side of the times. I'm a huge Tales from the Crypt fan, right? Love the little horror series. It was great. It was fun There to compete with Tales from the Dark Side back in the day. It was like a Twilight Zone uh, child, right? Twilight Zone came first, later this, you know?
2: I got it immediately. Immediately, that's what happened. Like, in my yep. mind, I got the same picture.
1: And it's, uh, it's designed that way on purpose. It's, it's the era it was when it came out, the popularity, I guess. Um, or just, that's just what they chose. And it stuck with me, hit me right in the nose. And it starts with a story. I, I have a problem with a lot of this book being there's a level of discomfort I felt. Looking back, like it being 21, right? Uh, it's a year, that is. And looking back when this book came out, when I had it, it's, it's like, you know, I didn't really catch it then. It was, it was slightly offensive back in the day. And I, what I'm going to do right here, it's not necessarily just the comic. If you flip over and look in the back of this tribe book, <laughs> there's, there's a caricature that shouldn't exist today. It shouldn't exist at all. And this is like going in the past to like, you know, that we would be offended by so much if we went in the past and looked at what was released and what went on and what still existed. Uh, but that is uh, that you just couldn't get away with what they have back there. Yeah. Right. I would think by now that we're there should be no excuse for using that type of uh, caricature on a book well, in and of itself. Let's
2: talk about it. Right. Because. Not everyone's going to just have this in front of them, and we, we don't need people running out like on eBay trying to find some old copy of this book just so they can scope the picture. The picture is an African American gentleman, unmistakably wearing a do rag and in ratty, very loose clothes. In his mouth is a chicken drumstick, and in his hand uh, is a bottle of alcohol. Now, you can see like poking out slightly under his uh, his overcoat is like the tip of a clave. kind of sitting there but also accompanying it is a rap um, uh, which seems to be you know kind of like this guy's uh you know like chewing on some chicken and freestyling um in the streets
1: now you know what i was looking for i said this in the back cover this must be like the guy telling the story right maybe that's it maybe that's the guy telling the story and this is this whole thing no it's not maybe this is a guy who's part of a camp that's in the book that is the uh the freestyle rappers camp maybe it's an homage to old dirty bastard as a bonar and that's going to be mentioned in some sort of <laughs> excerpt it's not right and it's not it's not, it's not Grammy at all um i it fell to the offensive to me i i, I was offended uh by seeing this but i like it like i told you full admittance it's the era it's the it's it's the era that it's written in right or the era this was made in i'm not i don't know what you're laughing it's, at it's, it's not f- ma- It was
2: something dj said dj said you know i would have i would have probably been able to look the other way if it wasn't for the bright red lips and uh he, he's not he's not wrong
1: it's it's someone thought it was cheeky and uh and put it on there well maybe not but i don't know that's that's where your mind goes to right why we're in a different era now where that 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 can't happen that's how a book doesn't get sold is if you tried to come out with something like that now it would be brought under fire almost immediately and uh that's the that's the one thing. Is it saying that you can't have an African American gentleman on, on front of anything? No, it's not saying that. It's saying that it has to be to theme and to taste, or or a rock solid book, and that person represents something that book immediately go attached to, right? Right. It's a fictional character that is the uh, technically uh, the author or host of the book, and so you know whatever. Um, but there's nothing uh, that I found in the book relating to that that felt that that was excusable. Um, and what and what really made it bad was the rap. I'll be honest. <laughs> It's it's the wrap that's eyes uh, like what is that? It's and, uh,
2: it's not good,
1: but it's there, and so but that kind of puts the taste in the mouth. And then you are like let's open the book and get to it. Let's see what we got, and you're like, oh, tales from the crypt, interesting. What, now I went
2: with a with a, a feature of Mother Larissa that I I would not have imagined. Right, she looks like a, a weird, woven shaped Nosferatu. I've
1: <laughs> I've not seen a book that cheekily made fun of its own uh, its 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 own characters like that. Right that that part shocked me and actually stunned me i was like it's cool but at the same time that's supposed to be a, a very very powerful sought after uh figure in central park that looks out for the bonars there yeah it's kind of interesting um but it was clearly important to sell this book with a familiarity and they went with a tails in the crib type of type of approach or weird wolf tales, you know as it's being called tales to gnaw your bones um great but they're telling to bone our story. They do it in a colorful way. It's not saying the medium wasn't new and shocking. And it came out and drew your attention. It did. It's just, like I said, wasn't expecting that. And uh, But that also made it familiar to me. Right? I rather enjoy Tell Us Crip. It's fine. But she really does look kind of <laughs> like the Crypt Keeper by the way they have her, <laughs> yes. have her all drawn up. It's yes. pretty good. Um, it tells a story of something that might as well have been out of... Uh, it's like Patrick Bateman's upbringing.
2: You, you, is what yeah, I feel. it's like the Silver Spoon Avenger, right? He's just... Running out the streets, repressing people everywhere he can. Or uh, oppressing people wherever he can.
1: I mean, and let's not forget Mother Larissa's sweet, sweet intro. Hello, my wild, weird wolfies. Tonight we have a tale of terror from the terrific tomb times of the gnawers past. It's a gross, gallows humor gag from the greasiest of the guru. A tale of greed and grave errors. Get it? Kitties? Grave errors? (laughs) <laughs> right and it rolls right into the comic of uh, uh, some sort of chauffeur it by the way not some sort of it's a black chauffeur driving this uh white kid in the back named tommy and tommy wants them to pull over right in rat's alley because if it's one thing tommy hates it's some sort of homeless person sitting on the ground mining his p's and q's and tommy came from the country club and man it's his night tonight
2: that, that guy how dare he how dare he just accept my newspaper as a gift that trash
1: and then he accepts it, gets clobbered in the head with a crowbar. Right. And, you know, you got Mother of to explain what's going on as, you know, Tommy's a nasty guy. Terrible kid. Why is he doing it? And as he's driving home, you see the chauffeur calmly, you know, almost driving Miss Daisy style. <laughs> did, you, did you do what you needed to do, Master Thomas? Yeah, Jeeves, I did. Let's go home. And uh, why did I use it in that voice? Because I'm very interested as to why that was it was in that way. You know, you could also read it as, you know, did you do what you needed to do, Master Thomas? You could absolutely do that. But I saw the back of the cover, so I just assumed we were going all in, (laughs) right? And uh, that was the idea. And then it it goes in to tell you what Tommy was doing, right? And I feel where, and usually we don't talk about this, you can see where this is going. If you're a fan from Tales of the Crypt, you know what's going on, right? In that alley, Tommy's killing hobos, as he just wants to say. And then he gets home, and his dad's like, oh, son, how was your night? And Tommy's like, yeah, it was good. What about you? Does your mother's upset at all the murders that are going on in the alley you just came from? <laughs> what? Mom's mad of killing people? Oh, she doesn't know it's me. Sorry.
2: Doesn't know it's me. Those um, people yeah, probably she deserve should... it. Well, yes, 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 they probably do. <clears throat> but your mother is upset. Very hateful. Doesn't she know that
1: nothing but the worst trash of humanity has died in those killings? We don't have anything to worry about. I, uh, I, I just questioned it. I was like, just how far would that have to go to hammer the point? Of what goes on. Well, as far as the worm will take it, as as we know, they're trying to make that point. Uh, Tommy's got something wrong with them. Now, if you're me, I merely went, well, maybe Tommy's one of those Phorectoi we heard about. Mm. You know, we read about him in the book of the worm. Bane maybe ridden. Tommy. Right. He's not even being written. He's a Phorectoi, right? That's a prince of the worm, right? One of the princely Femori <laughs> things that he just, this is the evil he would do. He'd come out there and, you know, whatever. No, alas. Tommy's just a, a kid thinking he's cleaning the streets. And that's his choice of how to do it. And of course, Bonars get revenge. That's what that's really about, right? You learn that the, uh, the Bonars uh, has a whole group that's been following and tracking to see who's doing the killing, yep. and someone caught him killing them, and now there's a group of Bonars out to go exact revenge, and one of them actually is Kinfolk, lives in his house, and it's like, I, I still didn't get if that, that, that is Tommy's mom that's it, in the comments. Uh, man, or if was she is, Tommy's-
2: she is dressed like the maid, and I'm not sure I'm right. cool with that either.
1: Right, Exactly. And it's like, okay, this is this is confusing, but whatever. You know, you get back to it. The Bonnaris call him in a chilling fashion. Come here to pick up your son and bring Barabons. Why? They didn't take him from Just told the dad to bring it. Dad brings it. Tommy got his. He's dead. Put on display, nailed to a wall with rats all over his head and whatnot. Like, great, cool. And then uh, as he's driving back, this is where it was Tales from the Crypt classic. His dad gets to the car. They're driving away, and the chauffeur is a Bonnarit.
2: Dun, dun, dun. Turning into Chronos
1: to handle Dad as well, with a closing by Mother Larissa, and I, uh, I took a break. Right? <laughs> I, why? I was. Do you understand? Played Werewolf. Right? Had fun with Werewolf. Ah, it's nothing wrong. werewolves. Good time. Let's do that. How is it offensive in any part? And I sat here and went. Well, I, I knew one day I'd have to eat words, and uh, they're tasty now. Uh, let's let's figure this out. It's not that I think that old Sam Chupp thought that this was uh this is anything bad when he started doing it. I don't I don't know him. I don't I don't know what the intent was when he wrote it. People approved it. This is what they pushed out. Entertainment's entertainment. However, I do know that they have a profound uh love and respect for Jack Kirby, mm. uh, the king of king of comics, apparently passed away in nineteen eighteen, nineteen ninety-four. And there's there's a passion here for Kirby talking about what he'd been through uh, as he made up the comics, you know, and he, he drew Captain America during World War II, things like that they point out. And the world is a darker place without him. Thought that was cool, and to that end, it helped take the bad taste out of my mouth. But this is an era piece of just entertainment. This is what this Tribe Book is, and it's what it's meant to be. That's what it's. That's what it's going for. So you got two choices when you pick up this Tribe Book. One can look at it from a sourpuss angle, and that it's not the the perfection uh, that you wanted to be in 2021. Or you can look at it, it as made '94, right? That's that's when this this book was out there, and that's that's when it's there. And here there was entertaining points going on that led to this. And the caricature was what it was. And uh that's that's that. And that's what I advise you if you when you look at this book to treat it. However, that's that piece. When we roll into this book, what's a difficulty you found as you were as you were reading the book, Nick?
2: Uh well, right off the bat, it all comes from a, a perspective, right? With without question. It's which is not something we're we're totally unfamiliar with. Uh we get that from the uh you know, from the the last tribe book, the uh, the Black Fury tribe book, but the narrator in this just seemed pretty unreliable, in my opinion. With the with kind of the way he was breaking it down, like it was instantly dismissive of stuff, like overly opinionated about other stuff. It just like it seemed to just be a guy rambling in front of a trash can. Maybe that's what it was supposed to be,
1: and that's and that's a fair take, right? I think that's the intent. The goal was to make you feel like a Bonar, hearing the words of wisdom about what Bonars were. From a particularly interesting character that is a Bonar. However, uh, there's a reason revisions happen. We know that there's a lot that wasn't answered here. Just isn't. As you roll through this, he talks about the the Bonar of first legend, right? Of Boney. Yeah. So you're going to find that this story is very familiar to Silverfang fans. (laughs) Is what I'm going to point out, right? Um, Specifically that Boney was, uh, well, not the part that they got. They automatically talk about how Boney was the weakest, the runt of the litter didn't stand out and when werewolves were werewolves they were all one big happy pack and if Boney wanted to eat anything at all he would just get the bones that were left over
2: he he was he was the runt of the litter but they also make a point to let you know he was the best warrior too
1: there's uh
2: hmm right i I would say best
1: warrior in their mind (laughs) right because he allows the get to be the strongest and he he lets the silver fangs have the greatest station as this because they're the first oh
2: it it goes on to explain why he's best what oh, so, what's what's it say and so there's a, this, this poor runt you know who's uh who's kind of cast out to the side and obviously he's the toughest of them all because he's able to survive on the scraps while the others need to get fat and happy and strong on the good part of the kill and uh but that's okay because it makes bony lean mean and tough as gristle as it says tough and, as uh, gristle and he proves his worth almost uh almost in a divine way, you know, after he, he plays a, a joke on the, uh, on the, on the others by, uh, you know, like pretending that a, uh, that a carcass is diseased and they all go to bite and they're like, ew, it's diseased, but it's not, you know, he's just tricking them. And, uh, you know, he eats it as normal and they're all like, you're eating the diseased carcass. You must be worm. And then they say, they, they said the magic word, which of course summoned forth a worm entity. And that creature came out and everyone stood back and, and right away, the silver fangs said, uh, well, I'm sorry, it doesn't say Silver Fang. Uh, a fellow named Fang, who was the leader of the bullies, will say. He he jumped out and immediately went to attack this worm creature, and it smote him in one fell swoop. And then the others jumped in, and it smote them too. It was only Boney who stood on the edges, and he watched what everything did, that he found the weak spot. And he ran in there, where their skin was just the softest. And he bit hard and he bit deep until he bit into bone. And you would say he gnawed on that bone while the worm creature flailed in pain and then eventually fled away.
1: Well, what he did was a jaw lock, right? That's what it describes. I believe it even says that. And why I say it that way and why it's important. This is there's also a story about how the silver fang got its white, its silver fur, its silver color, its namesake um, from refusing to relent from a, a foe that couldn't be defeating by, by breaking its neck through this, this maneuver. Right. It seems to be prevalent here. <laughs> and uh, so I found it pretty interesting that the Bonars are here saying the same thing. I actually like that. Right. Like they're taking they're taking the piss of the silver Fing story quite a bit here by even mentioning it. Or that's just one of many tales. And that's all good. But again, you get that campfire feel. Yep, that's the story of origin. That's where we come from. And that's why we're the Nars of bone. And that's why we're better than them.
2: And then as soon as somebody asks a question, that's when everybody throws walnuts and, and trash and and empty cans at them. <laughs> like, ah, shut up. <laughs>
1: Right? Because they want the right answer, whatever, we're moving on. And then he starts talking about uh what is it with the purpose of the bonars you know, ancient history and and what had been going on. And it and it dives into um actually the imperium Like what what they were doing to help do that. And very quickly it points out they were amongst mankind. Yeah. That that's the point. They're there dealing with the populace. And and on one point I talk about a rat infestation. I mention that a lot, right? Rat's a totem of theirs too, a very popular one. But they they also mention that their bond with rat here was that the rats were, they were carrying disease Yeah, they were meant to.
2: And, and, you know? and interestingly huh. enough, that's like their method of the impergium, which I thought was actually a relatively interesting idea. Instead of like uh, running in there and culling humanity themselves, they have these, you know, disease and plague carriers that come in and kind of cut away these little swaths of, of who knows, maybe all the bad people in that palace over there, or these people in this neighboring village, you know, just kind of, choosing them in some weird way shape or form and using these uh well manchurian candidate rats (laughs) would go in there and take care of business
1: now i know what you're thinking that doesn't make any sense bob like the ratkin claimed to have been diseasing mankind to help call the populace as ratkin and ratkin are another shapeshifter right war of rage and all that separated them but the bonars and they're in here the bonars talk about them yes they had relationship with the ratkin but they wouldn't dare. They didn't use disease. What they did was they knew the exact amount of grain to eat to cull mankind. <laughs> right? That's clean. That's, that's what it is. But fans of Ratkin, you know the truth. And that's how it is. But that tells you what this guy knows about him, right? That's what I enjoy about it. It's a deliberate, he don't know. Yep. And you'd have to fill in the brinks to get it. But he knows there's a relationship. Naturally, there was. They were living amongst each other, and they had help there. And now that's, that's there. I just want to help that along. Goes from saying that we didn't just do that with humans. We also were with the Vikings.
2: Yes, uh, the uh, the the infamous Viking friend uh, who, who rides along in the boat. The good dog who sits, you know, second hand to the uh, to the to the Viking get lord of the ship as they do their raids and they send him out. Oh, did you find anything valuable? Yeah, you know, Boney over here knows how to get all the good loot. He knows where they hide it. <laughs> He's the best at it. Well, how do you do in the fight? Ah, who cares? <laughs> Let's not talk about that's that. That's right.
1: The sea dogs aren't here to do anything but get us more loot, or however it works out. I actually kind of dug and it-
2: the idea of these pirates. Uh, like that—that's a natural calling for them. Of course, they would be pirates, opportunistic. You know, like dirty fighters. Like uh, it I, I dig that a lot. Of course, it would be a befitting of them.
1: And it's interesting, right? Because so, now you get an image in your head of like, okay, they're running around with the get doing things their way, but they're really more like pirates. And you can see them going that direction to find their own way and land. And could it be that they just don't have swaths of territory they claim that too. the Bonar's yeah. method is to be everywhere. And that's just kind of how it is. You know, they go about and roam, and there you go. And that seems to be great. And you get the feel that that might be the type of history we're going to read until they jump into Rome and segue in, in the worst <laughs> of ways. Oh, I hate slavery. I hate everything about it we had to free those poor people in rome we had to stop and do it and immediately i was like hang on this guy click like that was that was common right he they're they're in rome and they were like oh i hate myself let's free slaves oh i thought you were talking about the
2: rapper common all right i'm with you no no that's, that's kind of
1: wow okay no not not that so i'm like going okay great so you're so you're there and you're there to do it and this is what's going on but where's that story you hated slaves, you did it. How'd you oppose them? What'd you do? Where's the group perfection that developed from being out there to set people free? Where's that at? Oh, our Bonar is part of the Spartacus camp? Is that where <laughs> that came from? Something interesting to tie him to? Nope. He segues again. Oh, you don't want to hear about boring stories, do you? We just hate slavery. Knowledge segue to Robin and the Hood.
2: Ooh, Robin and the Hood? Sounds familiar.
1: I don't I understand. Like I sat here going, okay, so so what's going on? We we learned that with humans, we uh we want to make sure they ate. And that they had a place to stay, and that the downtrodden were helped out always. It's what we do because we'll always survive. But these poor humans, who's looking out for them? Well, that's that's Bony and his crew. And so, since we're looking out for what's going on, well, we realize that a redistribution of wealth had to take place. <laughs> right. and we were going to help folks do it, right?
2: <laughs> it's uh, it's actually it's kind of interesting. The uh, you know the socialism aspects of uh, of society um, always seem to to be following along with the bonars where. You know, as long as they get to make sure that there's no high muckety muck lord oppressing everybody, and if there is, well, they'll go in there and they'll uh, social justice warrior that money out of their uh, out of their vault and, and redistribute it on the streets where it belongs.
1: <laughs> and back in those days, people that make an uproar about missing a shilling or two, you know, was just missing, no big deal. Some people got <laughs> apples, Yeah, you know.
2: <laughs> I However,
1: didn't even notice if it you look up in history. If you look up in history, if there was so much as an apple missing out of a Lord's a King's Forest and they knew who was responsible, I hope your neck is noose proof. Right? You get you you poached, there's steep penalties for that depending on where you were at. And that's that's how they saw it. Whatever grew into King's Forest was the King's at that point. And so that's that's that. But don't worry, a shilling won't go missing. <laughs> Guy's a bit deluded, right? You learn that where is he getting this from exactly? And you're kind of like along for the ride, so to speak. But he mentions that they, the Bonars, would see to it that this stuff gets out to the people who needed it. And that's, all right, interesting again. So we, at this point, we know they're uh, some sort of plague bringers with uh, the rats that they use, right, that relationship. We know they were pals to the Vikings and thus to get, and they, they now are redistributing wealth amongst mankind, clearly living amongst men at their their greatest and their worst, right? They're, yep. they're right there with it. But then they decide to change all that, Nick. What, what happens next?
2: Well, they have something oof, called a piping, a piping of the rats. Uh, interesting, interesting terminology, brings thoughts to mind. Uh, what it is, a piping, is it's just a moot or kind of like a gathering of, of sorts where they, they call every bonar who can, you know, read the message written in the clouds to, to come over and, uh, and, and they talk about important topics. The important thing that they talked about was a new philosophy on how to deal with everything they call it the ban of man so this is essentially their their end to all impergium efforts whatsoever and even more um it's got three basic rules help not man for his survival unless it threatens ours hurt not man unless he threatens us kill not man for food unless we might perish so apparently there was a problem with eating people
1: (laughs) It says, "Kill not man for food unless we might perish." It's condoning cannibalism. Well, if right? if you're going to starve, uh, it, uh-huh. so the you know, <laughs> perio perish the cold the times. Let's you know
2: we just yeah. call it Bob. We're, we're calling it hobo chili from now on, and That's, it's it's only the food of the of the lanky and desperate.
1: And and there you go. And we'll leave it at that. We don't really know what happens, but there's that. Uh, but they basically decide that the uh, the old world is uh, well. It's time to leave. Right. And it well, it's not even exactly like that. At the piping, they heard rumor of a new world. Mm-hmm. And and by rumors, they have another meeting where they decide that they're gonna head out and go. Now, it's important to note, there's certain meetings that 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 occur here that uh you you don't really understand why they pulled every bonar to them, right? Because they mentioned that they were doing fine in France, trying to still a revolution, no doubt that there was some Robin Hood and still going on in England that happened, you know, though the rebellion, tire Watt, all that stuff. Yep. That stuff happened too. But then they're like, oh, no, let's every one of us go to the new world. So I still think this is this guy extrapolating.
2: Like everybody like, smuggle yourselves onto any ship you can find and somehow get over there. Like nobody's going to notice the weird dog in the corner. Like the, the matted half, like half rotted fur, like kind of dangling off. i like, oh, hey, who brought the pup with the mange? And they're just like, nah, it's cool. Throw it a bone.
1: It'd be some guy standing there. Why would there be a bunch of dogs on ship? Right. Doesn't make <laughs> sense. Unless you get low for the stew pot. Hmm you know it hmm. depends and uh that's that's that just saying things happen weirdly back then traveling oceans but the uh the aspect is they get here to the new world and they're like let's help out it's great we're here and uh they say that the wendigo tenant didn't like them but they understood them <laughs> and they were and what were they doing hunting yeah came over and started hunting you know game uh selling pelt doing something to to earn their way
2: yeah like uh it, it talks about you know kind of like what where your average bonar would be found, you know, in the, in the early American colonies time, you know, and, uh, and they were, they were everywhere from like freedom fighters at bunker Hill to, uh, to being like the mountain men who went out West and, and decided to, to be frontier livers or also the people who were just like running up and down the, the St. Lawrence Seaway, like snapping pelts and selling them out trappers by the dozens, you know?
1: My favorite is they're jumping into the fact that they helped Harriet Tubman (laughs) and that's that's where they were. We're still remembering that slavery piece and they were there wherever, wherever there's need. They were there. Um, Also, I want to add, not very effective. I would like to think the civil rights movement would have been a huge success if we had a supernatural tribe that was, that was backing us 100%. Uh, I, I would like to think that story could be told about how they would have such a magnificent influence of success ratio. I would have occurred, you know, a lot of violence wouldn't have happened in sundown towns if we had bonar protectors that were there probably, to reach out. And stop it, it. Probably
2: would have would have worked if the silver fangs had gotten behind it.
1: That's true. If the silver fangs don't <laughs> say so, it doesn't happen. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the GW,
0: the Glasswalkers, oh, the yeah. GW, the guys yep. who are in the
1: cities too, screwing everything for the bonars. Right, stopping all their good works with what happens. That's I forgot about GW. It's my fault. Uh, interesting uh, how this this. This guy's perspective. So uh ruling out for there though, you, you have the American dream, right? How they're suddenly with the glasswalkers and everything's great.
2: Yeah. Like, oh now so this industrial revolution happens and then suddenly uh you know like the cities are starting to grow upward and you know and condense and and trade is becoming a thing. And the bonars are suddenly like working side by side with these uh with these awesome glasswalkers who are like, hey, we're seeing profit margins soar. And they're like, yeah, we've got all these Irish immigrants who've just come over and they're looking for cheap labor here. I I guess we can work together and everything's going great. And they're like, yeah, everything is going great. But then something bad happens. Around 1929, for some reason, the market just plummets, just plummets (laughs) and becomes a clear separation between glasswalkers and their in their upper crust and the Bonars and everybody else downtrodden and the poor.
1: Just gone highest to the high thrown to the lowest to the low. Now why did the How did the Bonars get up there? Well, we're talking about coming back from a from a war. America was on and high. That's what it was. And they say in there when everything's booming, the Glasswalkers had muscle, but they were busy with business as well. The Bonars lent their muscle to them. And yeah. that's why it worked out well. But the, also they point out the Glasswalkers were in heavily into organized crime.
2: Yeah. Right. All, and points
1: yeah. that out. And uh, when they when they point that out, I'm sitting here trying to think, "All right, so organized crime's your thing." and you're blaming it the Glasswalkers, but yet you're alongside with them doing it, too, and as long as you can enforce it, it's great.
2: Because it would have had to been prohibition Dude, time, right? Yes. So you get your Moonshiner uh, Bonars and your, your Glasswalker distributors. Yeah.
1: But then, when that stock market drops, Glasswalkers, because they invested, they had to think, think about what, who was interested in what. Bonars are into the now. Immediate grafica- gratification. Yep. You could tell. Read what this guy's <laughs> saying, and it's immediate gratification, Right. It's all about parties now and going out there prohibition. Yeah, we'll bodyguard you. We want that corned beef sandwich on the other end. <laughs> Thanks for the money for the meal tonight. I appreciate it. The glassworkers like silly fool. You could have unlimited uh, if you would just invest your money. Never said We're it. going to be Kennedys. <laughs> right. We have we have things to do, excuse us, and they're off to the side. So naturally, when the uh, separation of church and state happened with the crash, you know, Bonars had to survive the same as everybody else. The common man was screwed. Uh, when it came to that, the riches yep. of the rich, well, they padded pockets and they uh, they point that out. And he's like, once again, we get the bone. They do. And they're out there gnawing on it, too. And they run into, um, well, I won't say run into, they do this weird thing where he does where he talks about how then they start building New York.
2: Yeah, it is. It, oddly enough, at this point, the Bonars are completely responsible for New York. Everything that's happened in New York that grew it into the, the booming, bustling city that it is 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 it's the bonar influence you know they have the sept of the green in central park this beautiful uh you know like lush cairn and from that stronghold the bonars owned the big apple
1: helped build 50 percent of new york they say and that's that's how it is it's built in the backs of the people and they were they were there here's the thing
2: you'll later learn
1: from camps that that might not be wrong right from a lot of what happened and we'll get into more of that but the uh hold that thought. It's like the one thing he starts saying, it's a seated thing. Um, but when it rolls through alliances with the Nosferatu are outlined as well. Mm. That's another piece of the pie that is dropped into your lap where you're like, okay. So now they're branching out from just themselves. These are the vampires they could deal with. We know what they're about. Information trade, things of that nature. And he talks about even how he lets them have their mystery places down below, which is why you can't get everywhere. Stop trying to look. They also do this weird thing where they appear to you all party but they disappear all ugly. <laughs> we don't know how they do that yet, but let them do it. And just, you know, be pals. Just don't, don't worry about it.
2: It's a interesting. Mystery.
1: But what you're seeing here is that they're still threading vampire clans into werewolf game. Yep. Right. That's, that's the thing. And it's establishing it because they're all in the same city. Why are they not just destroying each other outright? Well, it's not that they don't. Let's just say this is the tribe that's most lenient because they got to survive, uh, being where they're at. Survival is ever important to the bonar. In fact, might be the thing yep. uh, that they're espousing here. And, uh, it's not gang girls survive, right? This is adapting uh, more than is straight up like conquering my domain territory, blah, blah, blah. Um,
2: well, you know what, uh, what what Darwin said? It's not the strongest of the species that survives. It's the one most adaptable to change.
1: Exactly. And he's, he's full of mentioning that here, too. Trust me. Um, but we go to World War II and all that fun stuff. But basically, once he explains uh, what they they are about and the fact that the uh, the homelessness that they they thrive in is them still looking out for the people, right? Here's the one thing I get out of all that that we read about and that they have for it. It's hammering home from his perspective, even, and uh, that there's a lot of wine that comes with the Bonars. Right, A lot of complaining, a lot of hamming and hawing, but that's going to be expected because on one angle, you can look at the fact that here he wrote about a social dynamic where this group has been with mankind the entire way. They never left them. They've been there to watch them grow. They carried with them their hardships. They suffered the hardships with them. And especially when it was tough, they were there with them to help it through. They had to come up with a rule to separate them, mm-hmm. because they see mankind as their children, right? It's clear at that point they were just trying to watch out for them, and everyone fed everyone a home. And then they had to let that go, uh, because of the impact they were having or stunting their growth. However, they saw it, that's why they did it. And when they did that, because it was the Imperium ending, that's how they sidestepped it first, right? And then they have that ban of man. Well, in accordance of having that ban of man, uh. You might say that they were a little too close, right? This comes up with that man eating. It is a thing like that's a weird rule to throw in the ban of man that if you look at it from a far enough perspective, it's it's almost a natural occurrence. You're protecting them the entire time. You're right with them the entire time as they become an overpopulous. Who's going to miss a few, especially if you need to eat that primal nature. They are monsters still, everybody. Yep. That's that's what they are. And that's that's a thing they even mentioned being uh, was I think it was London that during the burning times, they were thrown back to being remembered as the, as the werewolves, officially. The, the monsters in the, in, of legend. And, and hunted accordingly. They're the ones who bore the brunt of that. And makes sense. Why? Because you're everywhere. And uh, that's an effect that they kind of do. But rolling through this, there is a, a, a totem that's unique, Nick, uh, that they have that's not rat. That develops and they'll come into the new world and the antics they got up to.
2: What is that totem? Uh, you're talking about the American dream.
1: Yeah, I sure am. What's the American dream? No boner
2: American dream is actually really kind of interesting. Cause I mean, you, you talk about the American dream. It, when it came about was right in that, uh, that industrialization of, of America where it was leading the forefront and it was the idea that somebody could come over from anywhere and, and make it right. Like uh, you, you could be poor and destitute and then you could rise to the highest of the highs, you know, and that, that's really what it, what it is. It, American dream is a spirit. It's an incarnate of that, right? So those, those ideas and aspirations, they don't go away, but they can be severely weakened, which is where the American dream kind of sits now. Almost, uh, almost, almost crushed and, and forgotten, but it's not. There's still those few that hold on to it. And that American dream is still kicking because of it.
1: Listen. We know that the American Dream Totem looks just like and is. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, oh yeah. Right? You know it. You know it is. The American Dream, the cream rises to the top, brother. That's that's who it is. That's the who I think of. of Every crop. <laughs> Whenever I think of that totem, that's the embodiment I'm thinking right there. It's, it's great. Uh, cocaine or not cocaine, the American dream stands tall, right? That's, that's how it is. And uh, freedom, self-respect, and as you put it, Nick, the ability to start fresh, that's what he represents. That's everything the Macho Man stands for. The world needs a new champion. and It is the Macho Man. And uh, it's fantastic, man. Uh, that's, uh, it's one of the few things, but there's... Iron Home in here is the sense of persecution that does permeate the Bonars. I found it interesting. Because where does this come from,
2: man? Uh, I think a lot of it comes from you know, like from the old school Europe. Like when when they fled Europe, that mentality was still was still rife in them. Even though they come over to America, they have all this prospect, all this American dream, all this opportunity to grow into something else. They don't take it. They don't. They don't seize it. Right. It wasn't the opportunity of the Bonar to rise up and be great. You know, and counted equal amongst the tribes. They, they they're still down in the ditches. They're still. Riding in the muck, because like it or not, that's where they—that's where they like to be. But that doesn't that, stop them from saying the system is against them. That doesn't stop them from saying we're not invited to the councils.
1: And this is where this guy's tedious. Right, he's tedious. I get he dominates the story of ancient history, telling you about his perspective on the things that happened and how we got here. But when you get into it and it starts talking about how the bonaras are culturally, and it's still there, yep. this persecution, you begin wondering. Uh, Yeah, if you were poisoning cities, you had a handle on what was going on. You're riding around with the Vikings, conquering or doing whatever you said you were doing. Uh, you have a handle on what's going on. Uh, you came to the new world first, according to what you're saying, and get here. And so the Wendigo and the Uctenna and M didn't like you, but you had ways to adapt and figure it out and build your system yourself. But you didn't have a way to think about saving something for yourself or building something for yourself or or doing anything for that that only the glasswalkers were capable of coming over and seeing the opportunity in the city.
2: Yeah. It it gets, uh, and they're sitting here like, uh, well, all the other tribes have the best breeding. It's like, you came over to America, which had its own sustainable wolf population, you know, and instead they're like, no, now I got to go to like, you know, like the, the the animal hospital, you know, and, and, and pick up my, my breeding stock there. No, you don't Here, what you
1: have (laughs) is, is got to remember. Bonars are not just uh, from their own breeding stock right they they're the first tribe to adapt anybody who lost Mm. their way in another tribe and bring them in and that's how their population starts too but when you have a series of outcasts of of people couldn't find a way but now find a home and they're full enfolded in the tribe there's a lot of bitterness there's gonna be a lot of people with alternating stories of how they got there why it happens and the downtrodden whatever they're the people who just couldn't work out where they were came to redefine themselves and found footing found a home that's the bonars they're basically the outcasts of guru society Yep. You know, that's the long and short of it. And so um, it's, it's like Stephen King in, the, in it having the Losers Club. They weren't losers. Those kids were pretty cool getting by in that film as they could, but they they had a certain negativity they couldn't shake, them so's that, try to make something yep. of themselves. Essentially, that's what the Bonars did, right? They don't believe in their own head that they're as good as any of the other tribes who got their stuff together, but then they flip around and say, and it's, you know what, that's them. We're going to do good all on our own, and we're going to take care of man like we knew we should, and we're going to stay amongst them. Because we're of worth and of course we should be here because we're hardy. <laughs> we're gonna learn of Boney's lesson and we're gonna keep going. And and that lesson is survival. It's survival at any cost. Yep. Well, that's what you do when you're an outcast, right? Your your new objective is to survive because you left where you were because it didn't work out. Now, once you get that, you begin looking at the camps. So it's great that you're here. What's going on with all that? And I'm gonna actually start with um, the hood. But- the hood camp is still. Right, it's it's uh, people who want to rob from the rich, take care of the poor. But then it's evolved to street justice. Like I like the analogy where he says, "Flat, I warn you, cub. If if a hood gives you twenty dollars to buy a new pair of shoes, you better be wearing a pair of new, warm shoes that cost around twenty dollars. Don't let them catch you buying golden grains with that twenty, or they're gonna take it out of your hide. Is what's gonna happen because yep. it's, it's a real deal to them.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it, it's really cool because like you get that that weird passage at the end and the guy's like well it's like him holding a kid over the end of the bridge is like well it looks like about three stories down uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of an impact um you know you could uh could go back to school like i told you to or uh or or you can make me throw this trash off the bridge
1: it's essentially it uh that's a hood and and what that does is hammer home okay whoa there's a different bonar perspective and that's where this book actually starts singing is when you get to the camps out of that out of that narrator's mouth mm-hmm. now to help the narrator out he's a frankweiler right that's another camp it's bonar scholars and uh and, and enthusiasts of culture that well they hang out uh huh. in well books and lore are what they're about and uh i believe you say it takes a term from a book uh where kids would stay after hours in the museums they would live there yeah and they would have these these wings right there were some who stayed in the uh uh, I forget which wing. One wing was was all the books and religion, whatever, and it would be history, and then the other one was like folklore and nonsense, and they had that too, but a book was a book was a book as far as they're concerned, just that you learn it and are able to teach it, turn around and teach it to others in your tribe or whoever uh, that could benefit from the knowledge. That's a Frank Weiler.
2: I imagine these guys like the hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Like, don't go up into that attic space. You don't want to know what hangs out up there. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's an interesting camp, but man, can they bitch by reading this book? This dude has some. This, the most educated and cultural amongst them talks this mad shit.
1: <laughs> A Constant. Constant. Like, doesn't sound educated. Sounds like someone who heard some opinions and, hey, we're going to just, you know, where's logic when you could just say and keep going and that's right. what he does. So interesting. But then you get into uh, deserters.
2: Yeah. Th- it, so this is weird. These guys seem cool. They seem to have their shit together and seem to have a plan, right? So immediately the entire group is like, well, screw these guys. They got their, they got their whole plan together that they want to go out. They want to search the Umbra. They want to find a new home, you know, not unlike the new world, mind you, but these guys are very mystical. They want to go and, and see if there's a, there's a land through the Umbra, a paradise you know, like the perfect trash heap or, or whatever it is that they're trying to find for the Bonar tribe. And and they call them deserters.
1: The camp accuses them. Well, I won't even say that. Being a member of that camp, it's like an insulted phrase. It doesn't mean anything. They're still Bonars. Just, did you find that new home yet? No. All right, deserter. Keep going.
2: Yeah. Eh.
1: Eh. Eh, we, we hope you do. Right. You can see how they would fit in. It's <laughs> it, it's interesting. Right. Um, Red finks are basically, this is where they're, they're not. The, you want to play an Asperatu, but it's a werewolf game. You're a bonar ratfink. thing. Yep. I wish I could tell you it's any different. That's exactly how they read. You, you'd be a, a blue collar worker somewhere. Uh, that's part of an information network somehow in the city that keeps everyone in the loop about what's going on over the, over the info that you are directly involved in.
2: They make it seem like these are extremely highly organized groups, right? Like, um, like, uh, like Lawrence Fishburne and John Wick, right? This homeless guy who has pigeons on the roof but he knows everybody in town and they pass like t- tiny notes from each other. And then some guy randomly walks up and grabs you by the elbow and says, the master will see you now. And then he's gone as you turn around. And the next thing you know, some guy's slipping a note in your pocket and then he's gone.
1: There's a lot of, he's gone. No, that's a, uh, that's, that's none. <laughs> that's a rat thing. I mean, that's, that's open and shut as far as I'm concerned. um, One of my favorite of the hill folk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you don't know what hill folk are, um, I'm not even going to tell you, look it up. I mean, honestly, you can't even, it's straight out of what life is, which we call hill folk, right? they are people who live up in them, our hills.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, right? the, the, you know what it is. It, it's, you know, it's running moonshine.
1: Folk. It's making it, yeah. it's hill folk. People live in the hills and they're about that simple country life. That's, that's dumb. Um, as they point out though, they do know how to live in the hardiest of places where typically, no, it's not easy to live there. That's why they're there. And that's, they develop that culture and have that spice. Yep. All right. Makes sense. And then we close down on the on the one group we've been poking at this whole time,
2: mm. man eaters. Now I, uh, I I wrote down the nicknames they have because uh, to me it's absolutely hysterical. The two legged turkey, hairy hamburger, and charnel chicken.
1: I uh, hairy hamburger makes me laugh every time.
2: <laughs> it's uh, uh,
1: uh it's too funny. Um, uh, there's they talk about the fact that the it's tasty. Right, that you don't do it. Man, flesh is an addiction, it's like crack or anything else. You you try it, you can't stop because man tastes mm good. Yep. You ain't never heard another tribe talk about eating people and it tasted good, right? Even the Wendigo, as <laughs> as we'll get to, it's like a bad thing, like it's an extreme circumstance and a bane that's involved in causing that to happen or mm. that urge. Not even a bane, like a bad spirit, twisted wrong or some sort of curse. And that's it's different here. It's just well, even the Red Talons. Who admit yeah. to snacking on some man are like going, "Yeah, we ate them. Whatever. They're eating us." And they're referring to the wild. Okay, no, they're talking the hairy hamburger. They're roasting them <laughs> on an open fire. They're getting just the right plump person to make sausage out of. That's they're taking it to a level. If anything, the bonars are literally the gourmands of man. Literally.
2: Yeah. Don't don't get in a plane crash with a bonar. Don't
1: <laughs> be stranded anywhere as a soccer player with the bonars. Okay. <laughs>
2: uh I, I did like the I did like the man flesh Bane thing you know like they got like their own superstition like hey don't eat too many people otherwise you know you'll attract a man flesh Bane what does that mean well you know it's it, it's what you think suddenly like uh, like the the oh, what is that the movie Ravenous what are they, the Wendigo like with a guy who just like eats one person and then suddenly he's got to have more he's got to have more and got to have more got to have more that's just uh, you know that's just you being ridden by a by a man, flesh bane.
1: I I don't even got anything to say to that. I find that something uh, highly entertaining to to poke fun at each other about. Uh, if one's a bonar. Uh, unique totems to have. We talked about a bit of rat, which we we get what rat is, mm. right? It's it's a totem. We know what a rat is. Uh, you're not going to find it being much much different uh, in quite a bit. It's a totem of the city. Rat where rat goes, rat knows. Sort of sort of mentality carry with it. Um, however, American dream we talked about as well. The
0: soul of the city.
2: Mm. Yeah. So this was, I'm not going to lie, confusing to me uh, when, when when it was kind of talking about it, because it's describing this guy as like a, a man who's like over there with a beat up hat, uh, playbill in one hand, and he's wearing a white scarf and he's smoking a stogie and he's talking to Frank Sinatra. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just like, all right, so like this is, the, of course, it's talking about New York City, right? I got I to gotta make sure that's abundantly clear, you know, the same way that Chicago has its own um you know uh spiritual representation you know with like the uh the blue collar worker and everything like that I, obviously every city is going to so the city is a is a new york one and it seems to be you know like uh like the bonars think it's it's their dude but it, it talks a lot about frank sinatra and i don't get it maybe maybe sinatra was the dude i'm not a new york guy i don't know
1: uh, i think there's a section with the rat pack mm. something like that Actually, just a style yeah, of music. Yeah. You know, that's what I, that's where I took it, um, right or wrong. Don't really know, but they're trying to capture that feel where clearly they're folding something of New York into, uh, what this is. And you can understand that it's something that's coming up from that, that dream, right? Big Apple, see so never sleeps, yeah. um, all that fun stuff. And, uh, it's, it's just unique. It's like, I don't, uh, I don't get that feel from other tribe books with it. They took it there. That adds the uniqueness of what the Bonars are, right? Um, just, just another piece of the pie. It makes them rather interesting. You also have, um, there are interpretations of the litany uh, that are most of it's the same, but they clearly have ex- exceptions, right? Oh,
2: this is and, um, this was brilliant. You, their litany part where they, they had the whole thing like uh, done by a, a shadow lord who came by, and observed them, and then wrote a report to, to morning Kill's court and said, this is what all the uh, this is what all the these uh, these damn bonars have been doing. I was in it was insanely hilarious to read here's here's the fine line
1: and uh what I, what I will say here is that uh outlining what it does uh, about the litany and in just shooting through and pointing stuff out the fun things it does is that it gives you like the comet the worm wherever it dwells wherever it breeds and he's like it, you know includes their worm spawn you know what i mean or they should be killed they should be called and here they are working with them here we have the defining uh the defining point where all werewolf players yeah absolutely you should kill vampires and whatnot that you find Uh, in your city in the war of rage that dealt away with the Radkin. Radkin exists they knew it and they're they're with them still and this is one of those things where as you're reading this and going through it how does a player interpret that right that's what I hit it's entertaining but let me take it away it is funny but if I'm a player playing a bonar and I'm trying to get an angle on what we see and how we see it I was a shadow or dictating crying wolf and yelling what it's about it does a little both right yeah Yeah. like you have to explain what it is and uh, that makes it still entertaining but it does explain some confusion certain bonars can have, uh, coming from it. And again, I think that's cultivated on purpose. I think if any tribe, this is the one that believes that rules are made to be broken.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. Like the just the first one, right? Garusha not mate with Garou. They're like, never heard it. What 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 <laughs> does that mean? Sorry. I'll uh I'll rut with whoever I want. Thank you very much.
1: I uh, why? Um they understand remember the Black Sparrow dancers understand that uh Metis are a thing that if two guru mating produces a guaranteed offspring, that's another warrior in in the war of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So here you have the bonars going, yeah, we don't do it for warriors, but you know, if I love her and she loves me and we're both guru, we gonna have puppies. So what? he's got a farm.
2: Have... Who cares?
1: Right. We're, uh, we're not living in the Palisades, Mr. Silverfang. So we're, <laughs> we're good. We're good. Yeah. Move on. Um, when you're, when you're around the bonfire next time, you know, the old, the old rusty, can we have with the with the smoldering flames or trying to roast some hot dogs. We'll talk again about how my kids are good enough for you, okay? Ta-ta. And that's uh it's an interesting perspective. It's something that floored me and it was the one of the, it is the coolest thing that's in this book is, is to catch that. Uh because no other book challenges their own litany. Mm-hmm. Right? Not so hardcore or obvious. And uh that's a uh, that that's fun. That's fun. That would be the draw of playing a bonar in fact. Um, submission to those higher higher stationed. <laughs> basically basically what this book does it just dawned on me I'll make it simple for you to see the litany done in this book this way it's steps of how to mock the litany and get away with it
2: yeah that's
1: exactly it oh it's a good time it, so uh, what is it do not suffer the people of Tendai sickness they they do
2: <laughs> right they're like uh, it, it doesn't really matter how like feeble and old their elders are like eh, stay alive stay alive a bit longer isn't this guy like 400 years old yeah but he's a good fella it's like it's like have you ever seen the movie grumpy old men and they have like uh burgess meredith the guy who played the penguin back in the day yeah and uh and he's just like this this half senile old man who just says like ridiculous and vile stuff just to get a kick out of everybody like that's a bonar elder if i ever seen one right they just (laughs) keep him around for the chuckles (laughs) because he's a good time
1: (laughs) i adore it i adore it um but then they flip to the the way of rulership like really amongst themselves what matters right and basically it's sum up to where if you're useful and you're getting things done you're in charge
2: oh man they have uh, they have probably one of the coolest systems of like uh of, of determining social status uh that that i've seen put in place it's like um it's like if everybody had a party to go to and they all brought a gift and whoever brought the coolest gift. Is the coolest person in the room? Yeah, that it's a, it's exactly how this and and I'll mi- mind you. What determines what is a cool gift is is semi arbitrary to begin with, right? They they talk about like how cool a shiny watch is or something like that. It's just anything that anybody else wants. That's it. It doesn't have to be anything useful. It Just has to be something somebody else wants. That's the most valuable thing in the room.
1: And it's a, it's an odd point uh, to a group that espouses itself as well. Let me take it back. It's not out. I just thought about it. Now, their history makes sense suddenly when you tie in that piece. Right. Why did they never get anything for themselves? Uh, they're kind of dumb. Yeah. Right. Here it is. Their social standing is based on is that a Rolex? No, no. Knockoff Rolex is what's in right now. He brought a knockoff.
2: Look how nice it looks.
1: Almost couldn't tell, could you? Oh, it sucks. I didn't bring a knockoff. Don't worry. Don't worry. You'll get it. You'll get it.
2: Does it work? Does it matter? <laughs>
1: right. Right. Um, she and Tammy brought Brad Mondo. Everyone's gonna be using hair dye. It's gonna be great. Oh, <laughs> Brad Mondo's awesome. Everybody's gonna run over there too. Like, oh, I got Trump for nobody wants a fake Rolex now. Not a one. Sorry, pal. You know how these things go. Oh, it's, where'd you get a shiny
2: be- Rubik's cube?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're saying they're they are literally the tribe of ooh shiny, and they take off. Yep, that is a uh, that's a good way to do it. um But giving more is is held in high esteem. I e, you know, this is also if you're a social justice warrior really bonar's kind of the thing now more so than children of gaia which i think is more cause-esque right they're more sally struthers send us money to heal you know all that stuff yeah the
2: the, uh the 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 children of gaia are more what would you say results oriented right (laughs) like they they want to see something really come of it you know uh the idea of just of of having the feeling like all of the feels and energy that's bonar's right don't necessarily need to get anywhere with the important part is that you can all agree this sucks and we're in this together.
1: Good times. Uh, but finally, got a chapter called Guy's Armpits worth checking out for a couple things. But the most important, I feel, relevant: the Ring of Shadows. Yeah. That was something that stood out to me as being rock solid uh, because it adds in the fact that you wonder why all of this these groups get along. That is the Ratkin, the Bon, excuse me, the Ratkin Bonars, the Nosferatu. And uh, how does that work out? Well, they have an upper echelon called the Ring of Shadows. This is this is high up. Mucky Muck m- 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 Bonar's meeting in secret to dictate what the Bonars are doing, and it said that bon- that Radkin and, and Asperatu get to be amongst the meeting.
2: This just sounded like a thieves' guild to me. Me too. And that didn't mean it sucked. All right,
1: right. <laughs> um, I'm sorry if you if you're a fan of the Elder Scrolls Morrowind. Uh-huh. It was cool when that group called the Hand or whatever they were called. I think it was actually the Hand. Um, came about. It was some expansion where there was an evil death cult that you oh, go worship yeah, and you're yeah, part yeah, of the group. Yeah, we had a like, whisper were, in the
2: door or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember what they're called. Was, the, they were, yeah, the assassins.
1: They were fun and then also they had like a rival, right? Like the Thieves Guild did the similar thing mm. and you were being amongst them as well and I felt like a lot of times that those two might do business on a point that politically you could see it. That's throwing off for people to see this as a game. It is very easy for you to see a Thieves Guild. If you love any sort of pirate movie that had Johnny Depp in it all the pirates <laughs> meeting in Pirate Island and and their merry ways is exactly what I think of when I think of the Ring of Shadow. Actually, that's kind
2: right? of that's kind of an interesting scene.
1: <laughs> now everybody be there. Just add an Asperatu and you're good, right? And a table full of rats and you're all right. You know, um, it's it's salt to taste, but fun. Now that being said, this this book is uh, it's going to hit you odd, and you're going to have varied feelings about it. You know, time is a thing. But at its core, Nick, do you feel this sets you on the right course to play a Bonar worth its weight?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, it, it gives you, man, please don't take this, take this as like canon, right? I understand that it's perspective. There's a lot of fun ideas in here to play with, which as a as Bonar, that's, that's kind of the important part. I think if, if Bonars are as popular as you say they are, and you've seen mm-hmm. more Bonars than you have seen anything else, and take that perspective in it. Half of half of the the joy of playing a bonar is how fun it is and how loose it is, right? There's there's almost no hard and fast rules to it. So that makes fun. (laughs) It's
1: it's as simple as that. Um, I I find that if you were a fan of the Bruja or Nosferatu, um, just to to relate to that as well, you're going to find a home here. Both both our aspects are definitely uh, in this in this tribe. Uh, But with the freedom of it being daylight, there's that. And uh, the other factor is that just because you're aware of doesn't I mean you have to be a jerk, right? They get yep. along with humans. You often don't. You often see an alienation between where I'm. I'm used to the werewolf player pack that sort of ignores the the harm they could bring to mm. defending Gaia. Like humans are collateral damage. <laughs> They're not people.
2: Like the the, the Superman villain theory. You know that uh, that all is is chaos of uh, you know like is is uber strong fights and destroying buildings and and throwing tankers around town and everything like that and all the the billions of dollars of destruction it causes Yeah
1: It's a fun aspect So in closing uh, This book is, is pretty fun uh, Definitely to read And uh, to read about old Frank Weiler And honestly Boney is the best name for like a tribe founder I really enjoy that Boney exists Old
2: Boney <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's the next tribe book that we have here? Or next book? I
2: Man, I throw that stuff on me like that Uh of course Children I of Gaia?
1: Is it Children of Gaia? Yeah I'm uh, looking at it It is, it is i'll confirm it yeah so we'll get to that next so you know what we say it's uh, not fun unless the children of guys say so
2: that that's what we no, say no no it's not from now on it's not
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> i'll be honest i've never played a child of gaia
2: i haven't and I, either and i should have
1: yeah I. and i should have
2: i had an idea for a child of gaia a while back but i've completely forgotten it now
1: let's put on the bucket list the, yep. the guy and children in me um all right folks Thanks for listening. That's all we got right now for, for werewolf and uh, we'll
0: tune in next time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Nick. Vamanos. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of vampire. The masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 YearsVTM.com, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 YearsVTM, or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com/25years of vampire the masquerade